Welcome to the Adoptee Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Guida Richards, an author, adoptee, and mom. Each week, we will delve into the nuances of adoption, as well as tips for how to bring up difficult discussions in your adoptive family. And most importantly, we will not shy away from tough topics. So thanks for joining me today, and let's jump into your weekly dose of Adoptee Thoughts. Okay, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Alessia, and I'm an adoptee from the U.S. I was born in Georgia in the 1990 and adopted to an Italian family um, in Italy. Uh, so I grew, I grew up there in the northern side, uh, northern uh, west side, actually. Um, and I was able to study art from high school to uh, my bachelor, and then I moved to US to get my master, and then I moved back because I was pretty shocked, uh, I think. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, yeah, this is all I can say. Um, mine wasn't a close, I mean, it was a closed adoption, but I had all the documents. Um, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to search for a long time, but now I searched, I found my birth family and it's complicated, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It tends to be complicated, right? I just found, uh, my birth mother and, uh, half siblings over the past year and it's, it's been an intense ride for sure. Yeah. Um, I find it so interesting that you were adopted from the United States and, because a lot of times you're yes yes so you're constantly i was adopted from colombia a lot of the people i've interviewed were adopted from guatemala um uh ethiopia just other countries and then usually they're coming into the u.s or so can you tell me a little bit about the experience growing up in italy as a tra yeah so i wasn't the only one it was actually a group of adoption um, between the beginning of the 1989 up to the 1993, at least my group of adoption, mm-hmm. and we were more, uh, I think, until the 1996, at least. And then things changed because of the uh, the egg convention and the right of the child. Um, so yeah. But they're mostly black ma- babies, male babies. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very few females. Uh, I guess you all imagine why. Being the U.S., I don't have to explain you. Um, yeah, but um, about my, I mean, childhood, I had, I think, a, I mean, a good one. I was. Uh, raised close to Turin, which is the northern western side, as I said already. Um, but I was raised in a small town. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty okay. But I mean, I I come to know about me being adopted really like quickly since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, also because my parents always told me, but also mostly because like it was very visible. I was the only black yeah. kid from kindergarten up to university and still 
now that I work. Um, so um, that that has always been uh, kind of a, kind of a struggle. Uh, I wasn't mm-hmm. speaking English. I didn't maintain the language until I moved to US. Uh, thanks to a school exchange when I was in high okay. school, and and that I think at that at that point, uh, I don't know something changed. I suddenly realized I was able to separate words, make meaning of it, and then um, I tried to maintain it um, mm-hmm. and listen because like uh, we listen to you guys like America. I mean. Uh, with TV shows, film, movie, like everything <laughs> about America, Italy, Italy is in a, especially is like, oh, America is so cool. No? So uh, for a long time, it was this like, I want my prom, like I want this, I want that. And then when I after my yeah. bachelor, after my bachelor, I was able to get my passport and move to the U.S. And get a little bit of that uh, U.S. experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, that that's where it changed for me, at least. How was it being in the United States, knowing that you could have grown up here? Uh, at first, it was super cool. At first, I, it was like, ah, oh, that's my moment. I'm finally gonna live the live the life that I didn't live, um, and then it was very difficult because uh, at first no one was believing me, especially like when I got I got to get like my papers, the the social security and all the the stuff. At first it was like, haha, and when when were you adopted? And I was like, yeah, I was four months. Yeah. So so you never like came here back and forth like. Where did your parents live? Um, and I was like, no, my parents are still in Italy. Like, they don't even speak English. I'm the only one. And, yeah. Uh, so, at first, it was it was shocking, for, for sure. Uh, along, for a long, a long time, I think uh, two months top, I think I was, like, just going to the... I, I think I went two times, not, not more than that because my parents were in order, but it was challenging just just not to be believing, believing, sorry. Yeah. And and then it was weird because I, I was kind of exotic to the black community. Mm. I was like, oh, Italy, wow. Like, wow, oh my God. <laughs> so, do you know how to, how to cook? And I was like, yes, but I don't like it. Um. Uh. Yeah. Those sort of things. But no. I. I. I think. I managed. I managed to. I don't know. To simply live a life. I went to school. I had my routine. But at a certain point, I mean, I was kind of escaping Italy because of like the way. Uh, it- black Italians were perceived and are perceived so it was always like uh, oh so where are you mm-hmm. from and I was I, di- I didn't want to answer that question because it, it was struggling for me just to say I'm not I wasn't like because there are uh, Afro-Italians who are born here or like 
grew up here and but they have like a strong African connection and then um, there are mm-hmm. adoptees like me and we don't have the same like a black family and all the sort of all that sort of things so it was it was challenging at first and then I decided to move back because I was missing home and I felt more Italian yeah. than American yeah yeah you definitely well growing up in one culture it's kind of hard to leave that um, yeah uh, I'm nervous to like go back to Colombia because uh, my husband's actually half Colombian and uh, his oh. mom's back there now. So like we're 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 thinking about taking a trip, but like part of me wants to go, and then the other part is just like I don't know how I'm gonna be able to handle it. That culture shock. Um, yeah, I'm definitely nervous. So it's it's nice knowing about your experience with coming back to your to your birth country and seeing how you handled it. Um, I'm interested to know more about um, growing up in Italy as a, a black adoptee in that culture. Uh, how your parents handled discussions about race, if they talked to you about it growing up, if they kind of prepared you for um, possible racism, microaggressions. Did, did those types of conversations happen, happen with your family? Yeah, no. Um, so... When I was adopted, I mean, at that time in Italy, they weren't the first adoption because international adoption has been gone for a long time, but they were, and also like private um, agency were born around like the beginning of the 80s. So they were like still, um, I think, swinging, swinging with it. Um, but mostly there wasn't a lot of education for parents. So... My parents basically, I mean, they 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 told me that was I was adopted. They told me from where I was adopted, and we were watching Robinsons and we were like following um, the one black Italian athlete uh, doing like Olympic Olympic games. Uh, that was happening, but other than that, I had to do basically all on my own. But I'm I'm not the only one. Uh, this is actually an, a, a conversation that is happening in Italy a lot because we mm-hmm. adult adoptees are coming to age like there are even more age. I'm 30 and there are adoptees older than me. Um, so we are facing that like the way our parents raised us. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. us didn't didn't got that that support. It's really rare. Uh, my parents, did, I think, did one thing that helped, uh, which was keeping uh, a part of our group of adoptees from U.S. together, like in Piedmont. So we were actually meeting, and but it was like a couple, two, twice or three times stop at the year. So mm. it was that kind of like meeting all yeah they're like me and then like on um, back back to life. So it, it yeah yeah yeah, but it it was it was good at least having someone um, that that's like you. I actually definitely yeah when I when I went to US I didn't find what I was looking for which was invisibility. Um, 
and I, I wasn't looking for my roots. I just did I just wanted to leave my culture and I ended up wanting to connect with that group even more because they were the only one that, that could uh, understand what I was feeling. Um, but then also life makes it like we, we adoptees, everyone is different. Everyone has his own story. Like I, I feel you when you say like, oh, I'm afraid of like go, going back to Colombia. Um, I know, I, I, I think I cried all the time, like the six, 14, 13 hours top, like straight. Ah, and I, <laughs> I wanted to move back. So I, I understand. Um, it's also like weird to go back to a country and have people just looking at you and mm. like thinking that they know and then you're like no you don't and they're like oh yeah why are you weird um mm-hmm. yeah i know the feeling yeah i i definitely get what you mean like whenever uh, other people see me they see me for like my appearance on the outward yeah. you know like outward appearance and they see a latina and they expect me to have certain mannerisms certain speech patterns and they expect me to speak spanish and then on the inside i was raised by an italian american and portuguese american parents that didn't teach me any of that so i, I i'm pretty whitewashed with my upbringing and um it it can shock people and then they get really awkward about it because they're like why don't you speak spanish or um why don't you do these things i'm just like because i don't know (laughs) i'm learning now as an adult but that's not what i was raised in and um yeah so i'm glad that you're sharing that with us and uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the the culture shock about being in America for for school. Uh, what did you expect, kind of, when you came here, and how was it different? Yeah, no, I think the the thing that shocked me the most was the fact that it wasn't different from the movies. Um, like it was like watching a movies and and a movie and be in it. And I didn't want to be in a movie. I wanted to live a like real life. Like I remember, my first job was in a shoe shop, and uh, this the the sh- the shop owner, she had two sons, and they were like, like the the instant they realized that I was familiar, it was like everything changed for them, and they were like, oh, we need to like. I don't know, but surprises. They were like doing like push-ups, and they were like, "Oh, you need to choose between us." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm engaged." Like, and I was like, "Where is the ring?" And I'm like, "I don't have the ring. I left it in Italy." <laughs> so like that, that sort of thing, um, or or things like, "Oh, uh, Italians. They're like they're black, like Sicilians. They're black." And I was like, I didn't, I actually didn't quite get how and why they were saying that until this summer. I don't know what, you know, there are those things that you don't realize until you actually see see them. Like mm-hmm. my boyfriend, he's white, half Sicilian, half from Puglia. And like all his family, like 
part of, of his family is in Sicily. So we are actually here now. And he is living into it with me. So no, no much sun. We go to the sea and it's like, what? But his mom and like her and his aunts, they're all and cousins, they're like super tan. Like, super, like they have the mm-hmm. my color. I was like, oh, that's why. Like, so that's how I, yeah. like, I got that feeling like, now I get what happened like four years ago where they were, everybody was like, oh, yeah, they see that they're black. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it was kind of fun when I lived in um, Little Italy. I, I actually stayed in, in Chicago for my bachelor, I mean, for my master. So I, le- I lived in Little Italy and it was quite funny to meet Italian Americans and like say, oh, I'm Italian too. And I'm like, oh, really? And then, <laughs> um, they were like, oh, so do you speak Italian? I was like, yes, do you speak Italian? And, and they were like, no, but I'm 100% Italian. I'm like, no, I'm not. But uh, I was raised, <laughs> I, know, I know how to cook. That, that's yeah. where it comes to Andy. Yeah, that lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Italian Americans yeah. are, are funny. Like they're super big on the culture and like being proud. Like I swear, like my family has like Italian flags everywhere. And they're like, um, when the, the soccer games come on, they're like, yeah, yeah. we gotta watch it and this and that. And then it's just so funny to me because it's just like, okay, like calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, and then having like real Italians, um, when I would meet other kids in school, my dad was super Italian. Like that was his first language. He grew up there most of his life. And then coming here, like other Italians, they, they really don't have the upbringing. They, they don't speak the language like um, traditional immigrants and Italians from Italy do. And it's funny to see how proud they are, but also how, separated they are from like cultural things like that so i just i just find that interesting what people are so passionate about yeah um it is i also wrote a thing yeah. sorry i also wrote a thesis you about, what i mean i remember your question and i also wrote a thesis about my experience um being black and italian um mm-hmm. in u.s uh and it ended up i mean being titled i thought i titled it um, black but Italian um, and mostly because it was um, not just black but more than Italian and what yeah. I wasn't saying was that I, I was adopted but I think adoption is a very visible thing I don't I don't know if it's treated as in the, in the same way I mean at least not in, in Italy that's why I for also what I forgot to say, that we don't have a very developed racial discourse. It's just mm-hmm. raising now. So a lot of the problem with transracial and international adoptees in Italy is that that they're, they don't have a really conscious identity, et- ethnic identity or even racial identity. Oh, in mm-hmm. Europe, we prefer ethnic, but yeah. Um, I think most of the, I, I will say not struggle because I used it too much, but, um, just, uh, 
the conflict comes from that. Yeah, I think like back in the 90s and 80s, like it was way worse here. Um, we kind of in the adoption industry here, it was pretty much like colorblind, just make the TRA part of your family and uh, don't really focus on their differences, you know, because mm-hmm. one, we're one of you, you now. And I feel like adoptive families now, they're a little more developed and talking about race and integrating um, birth cultures. But there's still, I feel like, a barrier that we we haven't really crossed yet. And we're, the adult adoptee community here is really kind of trying to take a stand and take the narrative back to adult adoptees versus just adoptive parents. And I know I noticed because you sent me a link to your blog, I was trying to check it out Mm. in a little bit. And you wrote about like uh, Italian adoptees and giving them a space. And I think that's so important, especially for um, an adoptee like you who was adopted from the United States. I definitely think that we need to give voices to more people in other countries like Italy and Germany because the adoptee population is pretty big. And we only hear about certain groups. So can you tell me a little bit more about your blog and the work you're trying to do for adoptees in this space? Yeah, so I have two blogs. One is about me and my adoption story, my my work, my artworks. Um, and the other one is about giving space and words to the Italian adoptee community. Um, the I, I called it the Italian case because we don't actually don't have a national discourse on adoption. Like we are very much fractured and multifaceted. Um, every group mostly works among its own. Um, and so what I wanted to do with the project, which I called Adopt, Adopt Cloud, and the project uh, in the specific is Adoption Cloud, um, was to create that sort of scenario to give to international adoptees uh, because I was tired of like not seeing Italy in the international discourse. I, I, I'm able to listen and to speak pretty fluent, but I'm not like flu- super fluent, but I mean in English, but um, in Italy we have that sort of like language barrier and I wanted mm-hmm. to overcome that and because along with that along with the barrier we also have a lot of things to say I think we have um, a specific scenario I think we have um, stories to tell and uh, the project is actually I mean now I'm on vacation but uh, it will start in September um, I am I'm hoping to have all the Italian partners uh, just telling their stories, describe their activities, and I'll I'll post them and share it uh, in English, of course. So yeah. Just reiterating that it's important work that you're doing to giving a platform to other adoptees. Yeah, thank you. I, I hope it works. The more voices we get out there, the the better that we can um, help fix and make adoption more ethical and get these discussions on ethnic um, 
uh, ethnic issues and racial uh, problems and just, you know, make people aware because I feel like the country is so big. We have so many countries involved in adoption, but a lot of the time we're not hearing about all the ins and outs. It's just like the same old story of a child wants a couple, yeah. a family needs a, a baby needs a home and then happily ever after. But like discussions like these, we're learning about different aspects of adoption. And I think that's very important. Yeah. And if I can um, add to that, I think what's very important, I, I that's one of the things I didn't get in US is the importance of nationalities. I mean, US is such a big country. It's kind of like big, like Europe in its own. Uh, but instead, Europe is very, it's very diverse. Like mm -hmm. everyone has his own little culture and, and, and we are very different. Um, so I think that in the conversation, maybe what's, what what's missing is it's that diversity sometimes um even like just english speakers like my dream is to think adoption in multi-language i mean spanish french and there are so many groups uh, i'm i mean mm -hmm. i'm new i'm I, i'm not new but like i'm new to the in international discourse as a group that that mm -hmm. for sure but there are huge groups that i know um, like uh, French speaking adoptees and it would be like so good to have like a global um, discourse on adoption that faces that because like I think that even as adoptee we have privileges I mean sometimes it doesn't it, it doesn't stick but there are like Americans versus uh, Australian and New New Zealander um, versus Europe and like then there's this Northern Europe and Southern Europe like so yeah I think that that's, yeah, that's I, the future. <laughs> yeah, I I think there are definitely privileges that come with being an adoptee, and I think that's another sector that makes it so complicated um mm -hmm. because we are part of this population that has to deal with initial traumas of being separated from your first family but then we are oftentimes moved from countries with less privileges and mo monetary um things to often countries that are more well off in that area and more stable financially in families and that can lead to privileges and also complications with guilt <laughs> uh, and just like all these unique issues that are um, tough to navigate. Okay, I'm a little curious, and I'm sure my uh, listeners are probably curious about this. Well, since you were adopted into Italy, did your parents tell you more about that process? Because um, um, a lot of the times here in America, like couples will go through agencies and then um, 
then they'll search for like the country that best suits their needs. But did your parents ever tell you why they chose the United States versus a different country? Yeah, no, they didn't choose that. I mean, the country. I mean, um, I know that they were like in list for a baby for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like adoption in general can be tough on couples, and maybe like later in life yeah. you discover like that you you ended up like in a family that I mean in a couple that was already very distressed when you get when when you get there. And at first, like the first adoptee can like save the couple. The second can shake it a little bit more. Uh, but no, my parents didn't choose U.S. Um, the 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 way it went, they they told me that there was um, let's say the chief program of the between mm-hmm. the two countries uh she had the idea because she was uh of italian descent so she had this idea that black babies could be a uh, find family easier i mean she could find family easier for black babies in italy um so the italian adoption agency was contacted by the american one and they created this mm-hmm. program, uh, so that that that's how it went. And also the research that I did when I moved back to US kind of uh, equal that. I mean, what my parents told me. I think yeah. the, the the not the problem, but the. The fact that it was in the 90s and there wasn't a lot of legislation made mm-hmm. it easier for me to have documents, all the documents. Um, but um, not all the adoptees of my group had the same. Um, most of them. Uh, and also there were lawyers involved, social workers. What I know is that mm-hmm. there was a fight between uh, black social workers at the time because they didn't want black babies to be adopted uh, like by white families. I yes. don't know where that battle was, I mean, was lost and at what point. Um, I know for sure that for my adoption, uh, like my... My biological mom, she knew that I was going to Italy. Like, she knew that it was an international adoption. Um, and she thought she thought that I was going to get a better life, which kind of sucked when I, when I discovered because, like, I had to, like, come to, I mean, cope with the world. Like, you got a better life, you're fortunate, um, which doesn't really i mean it's okay when you discover it but you actually fight all your life against those two words and then like i had to when you had to admit then in a way you kind of got that gift ah that sticks with you and it yeah it bothers it bothers a lot 
and I mean, I'm not, I'm not so religious. I don't believe in forgiveness. Um, I'm quite, I mean, I like to, I don't, I don't remember all the words, but like when you, oh, keep the grudge. Uh, but mm. yeah, I mean, sometimes I try, but I mean, when I reconnected with them, uh, I was already 30. So like 30 years, your life could have been so different and you try to cop, cope with the fact that someone, okay, maybe they wanted you, but they still let you leave a country and be raised with that kind of shock. I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's. It's hard to deal with. And like, I really hate, and I know a lot of adoptees hate the, the terminology of a better life because for a lot of us, it's not necessarily a better life. It's a different yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. And, and like better is such a subjective word that um, I, f I feel like the adoptee community doesn't like to talk about because it wouldn't help with their agenda of, adopting more babies out yeah <laughs> so um I'm, uh, I'm i'm thankful that you shared that with us and um it is hard i feel like it's so hard for us as adoptees to to live up to this this standard. stereotype and yeah. reputation standard yeah there we go standard of having a great life when we have to deal with so many complicated emotions and issues and things just because we were adopted into another country and even just like reuniting with birth family back in our original country they still a lot of the times have this idea that we chose to give you up for adoption and your life should have been perfect. You don't have any issues. You have all these things and you had this home and whatever. Like I did the right thing. And then we're here like still depressed. That doesn't mean it was a perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we still, a lot of us, a lot of us have to deal with mental illness yeah. and just stress and trauma. And then it's just like, we're stuck between these two kind of families. We're like, well, we wanted to do what was best for you. And we wanted what was best for you. And it's just like, that it doesn't always work out in a cookie cutter no, way. <laughs> no, for sure. It, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's hard that now, like, as adults trying to reunite with our birth family and, um, and I hope people listening just really hear that, like, your birth mother wanted you to have a better life outside of the United States. And I feel like we should really just sit with that and realize why, the United States is adopting black babies and mixed race babies out of the United States when so many couples are looking to adopt babies. Why are we sending people and kids out of the United States when there's over a million couples looking to adopt babies right now? Like we have such a, a big issue in the adopted industry where we don't like to discuss these things. Happen, I mean, it didn't happen just in Italy. I know for sure that there were like other uh, black Americans and Latinos babies adopted in Belgium and France. Like, I mean, um, the topic isn't very mm -hmm. much studied. When I was in US, I did some research. I know for sure that um, if you want to look at 
to uh, an, acad an academic. You can look at Peter Salmon, which is one of the few that was able to, like, just to keep track of them. And I also read other studies, but they weren't very much mm -hmm. quoted, I mean, cited. Um, and and then now I'm not in the US anymore, so I, I kind of lost track, but I haven't heard. So, I mean, I, I think it still happens, but also the system. Also, the system is very different. I mean, yes, it uh, does. Initially, it does. When, when my adoption and my group of adoption happened, um, it was through the state. Like, the agencies were, they weren't accredited because that law came after that. I mean, it came later, but they were like, we had all uh -huh. the papers done. Uh, while now, the adoption mm. that are happening between Italy and US are totally private yeah that that's for sure but yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think that's a big problem with the united states is that there's no federal laws that are throughout every single state that have a standard of care and uh, systems that adoptive parents and agencies have to go through. There can be private adoptions just with lawyers and all that stuff. So a lot of it is just not really regulated and that can lead to issues. And um, that's why we don't have concrete statistics about how yeah. many adoptions are going out of the United States. And um, we're better about tracking adoptions in. I know, um, uh, I think it's the CDC website keeps pretty accurate statistics on that. Cause of course America is very good about tracking immigrants. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the statistics are better on that, but. Yeah. yeah I kind of felt, um, I don't know, but like uh, betrayed is it the word? when I moved back, I was like, oh, can you not know mm. that, that sort of feeling? Like, how can you not do research on this? How can you, like, but yeah, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you, you just need to step back and, and see, because like, I don't know, I mean, I mean, I don't want to cite karma, but like things will, will be known at some point things like histories gets discovered um but yeah i'm still open yeah 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 and i i think you're right like history is kind of putting a little more pressure now on adoption systems at least here in the united states there is a lot more um i guess oversight by adult adoptees where we're kind of gathering together on social media on Twitter and Instagram to to create more knowledge about um, what it is to be a transracial adoptee and we are trying to educate um, adoptive parents about what they should be looking into doing for an ethical adoption versus just yeah not so ethical um and i hope that with 
voices like ours and your program to get more adoptee voices out there on your blog, um, that we all can work together to kind of improve the systems everywhere um, because there definitely needs to be a reform um, just to, to help situations like yours and even mine. Um, because like you said, we can feel kind of betrayed by our own countries uh, for just sending us out instead of figuring out ways to fighting fighting. yes yes exactly exactly yeah so um is there anything else you want to share or any advice you would have for adoptive parents or uh the future generations of adoptees i don't know my advice is just to listen to yourself um take your time and your breaks when you want yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's such such an important point um, that being an adoptee can consume our everyday life. Like sometimes it could be like the first thing we think about in the morning to the last thing that we think about uh, at night. And um, as adoptees, it's great to be involved in this community and it's great to want to advocate. But we also have to remember to do self-care and to take a breather from just having such heavy thoughts all the time because that can affect us negatively. And we gotta take care of ourselves first, personally, uh, um, in order to, to keep progressing and going through this journey because like you mentioned, it's lifelong. It, it, we're all learning together. And I think it's important how we're, we have more support now with the social media and um, just the internet, just allowing adoptees like you and me to connect from across the country. Um, it's just lovely. And uh, it was really nice having you on today and uh, speaking with you. And I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. It was it was lovely to chat, to have the just the means and uh, the opportunity to share. I'm so glad that you joined me today. And if you would like to hear more from Adoptee Thoughts, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can check out my website, adopteethoughts.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.